Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. a sermon series, uh, we're kind of right in the middle of it this week, uh, that we're calling Soul Care. And what we're doing in this series is we're kind of looking at how do we take care of our souls, because here's what I've learned and what I've become convinced of, and kind of been a burden on my heart. If you've been here the last two weeks, you've heard me say this. If you haven't been here the last two weeks, please get online, catch up on these messages. I think these are some of the most important messages uh, in, in some time, and I want you to hear these messages, and want you to take these messages to heart, I want you to do something about it. Because here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. We are tired of being tired. We're tired of being, our souls are worn out, they're fried. They're worn out because of the pace of life that we live, the way, the lifestyle we live is toxic to our souls. So let me begin, when we get into today's topic on this issue of soul care, let me begin with a confession. Can I, sometimes people come to me and confess things, it's kind of weird, but sometimes that happens. Can I confess, as your pastor, can I confess something to you? Back in 2020, you guys remember 2020, right? Back in 2020, you know, when, when the world shut down, there was a global pandemic. It was a mess. Anybody, was anybody else live through that too? Okay, you were there too. All right. When we all went into lockdown, work, school, activities, sports, even, even sports on TV stopped. You remember the moment, 2020. And I know that period of our shared history hit each one of us a little differently. And it was truly a terrifying time to be alive. It was frightening to be alive, to live through. And I would, I would never want to live through a global pandemic ever again. But can I make a confession to you? The part where we had to stay home, the lockdown part where we couldn't go anywhere, here's my confession. I didn't hate it. I, I, I didn't hate it. Yes, it was scary. Yes, it was inconvenient. Yes, it was a pain in the butt. Yes. But when I, had, when I had to stop all of my busyness, I became a better person. My physical health improved. I mean, I gained some pounds. Don't get me wrong. We all got those COVID-15, 20, 30, 80. Well, we, we got those, right? All right. But my mental health improved. Some of my closest relationships got stronger. They had to get stronger for Zoom, but they got stronger. The relationship between me and my wife, it got healthier. Me and my kids, my children, my daughters, it got better. Why? Because we had to spend more time together. Megan and I rediscovered the joys of taking long walks together through the neighborhood because where else are you going to go? My children learned to not only be sisters, but to be friends. There's seven years between them. That's a lot of age, a lot of years between sisters. They learned to be friends. They had nobody else. We played games together. We had long, unrushed, unhurried meals around our table where we laughed and we told stories and we just, just together, we helped each other through the stress of the lockdown, of the world shutting down around us. I, I never want to live through a year like 2020 ever again, but there are parts of it that I wish I could recapture. Back in 2019, you know, before the world shut down, 
Gallup organization released the results of a survey where they found the, the, they recorded the lowest levels of happiness in the United States in their 70 plus years of doing research. That was before the world shut down. That Americans were at the lowest level of happiness in recorded history. I say that to tell you this, you already know, and this has kind of been the theme of this series. It is not well with our souls. And throughout this series, I've contended that it's not just a, a season that we're going through. We have normalized a way of doing life in our outer world that is toxic to our inner world. And one of the ways that we could do more to bless our souls is to do less. And so that's today's principle. Today's principle for soul care is simply to be still. And oh my, is that hard. After months of reflecting and talking to people about their souls, I am convinced that a soul cannot heal until it gets still. We must listen to the Creator who said, Be still and know that I am God. So back in 1956, some of you were around then, a U.S. Navy pilot by the name of Thomas Atridge got into his F-11 Tiger jet off of the coast of Long Island. He flew his jet out over the Atlantic Ocean, went up to about 20,000 feet, fired his four 20-millimeter cannons, 70 rounds in four seconds, and quickly descended to about 13,000 feet. On the way down, something hit his plane, knocked out his left engine. Fortunately, he was able to get the, get the, the plane back over land, crash-landed, and escaped his burning jet with only a few broken bones. He thought he had hit a really large bird. He found out what he hit was his own ammo. He, as he descended, his plane got going so fast that it got ahead of what he had fired. The Navy said, that is a one in a million chance. In 1973, a pilot by the name of Pete Burgess got into his F-14 Tomcat off the coast of California, fired a missile, which wound up hitting his jet. It was a training missile, fortunately, so there was no warhead in it, but the damage of the impact caused his plane to crash. He had to eject to save himself. And just a few years ago, the same thing happened in the Netherlands. Get this picture. We are now building fighter planes that go so fast that they put themselves at risk. Did I just describe your life? Because I did mine. Would your soul appreciate it if you went on a fast from going so fast? Dallas Willard is one of my favorite authors and thinkers, especially on the subject of spiritual disciplines. I've used his, one of his books with, with some of you in one-on-one -on -one mentoring things for, for years now. Um, I'll show you the book. I, didn't, I meant to bring it with me to show you. I highly recommend this book. Dallas Willard, brilliant, brilliant thinker, author. He says this. If you want to be like Jesus, he says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Most of you have read one, if, if not all four, of the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus. Can you think of one instance? One instance in the life of Jesus where Jesus was in a hurry 
Did Jesus ever say to anybody, <laughs> sorry, I just don't have time for you right now. I'm fried. I'm too burnt out. I'm too exhausted. My schedule is too jammed. I just can't get to you today. You see, Jesus lived unrushed on the outside because he lived unrushed on the inside. So I'll say it again. I am absolutely convinced after months and months of reflecting on how we can take better care of our souls, I am convinced that a soul cannot heal until it gets still. Your life, your life is a product of your lifestyle, and I believe there is still hope for your soul, but you, if, if you are willing to still your soul. So let me be honest before we go any farther today. This will be the least popular of these four messages. And my wife said to me last week, after last week's message, you can hear a pin drop. <laughs> because it was pretty heavy last week too. So let me just say this. This is going to be the hardest, the least popular. And it's not because you're going to disagree with me. It's going to be the hardest because you're going to agree that what I'm going to suggest today is going to be very, very hard to do. So here's the first thing we must do. Slow down the exhausting pace of our lives. If we're going to still our souls, if we're going to find some health for our, our souls, we have to begin by slowing down the exhausting pace of our lives. The only solution for an unsustainable pace. You ready for this? Get your pencils out. Got your notes out in your app. I don't want you to miss this. You pay me big money to say things like this, all right? The only solution for an unsustainable pace is a sustainable pace. That's the only solution. That's the only way we can do this. But we live in a culture that says, if you're not busy, you must not be important. In fact, in our current climate, the word slow has become a negative. Oh, the Wi-Fi around here is so slow. The service here is so slow. The traffic is so slow. We use the word slow like a cuss word. We don't have time for slow because we have so many things we must do. We live in this constant sense of time famine. And yet, if you suggest to anybody, as I'm suggesting to you today, well, here's what you could do. You could slow down. You could eliminate some of those commitments in your schedule People will look at you like you're looking at me right now like I have three eyes. Like I've just said something in Portuguese and you don't speak Portuguese. Because it is so foreign to us that we would actually could do something about this. You see, God has given us two things that are precious. Two things that we must steward, that we must manage well. Our money and our time. And here's what I know, especially all you money people in the room. Here's what I know. None of you would ever counsel anybody to steward or manage their money the way many of us steward our time. Maybe you've got young adult kids. They're, they're making their budget. They got their first jobs. They're figuring out where everything's going to go, making that budget, writing it down. You look at their budget. You're helping them out. You look at their budget, and there's this side over here. There's just this weird number over here, and you say, what's that? What's that doing over there? They say, well, that's our savings. We want some margin in our finances. Margin? 
You don't need margin. You don't need savings. You need to spend every single dollar that you make as soon as you make it and then go spend some more dollars that you don't even have yet. You would never, you would never counsel a person to, to manage their money like that. Yet that is how most of us are managing our time. I agree with Corey Tinboom, who said, if the devil cannot make you sin, he will make you busy. And the price we pay for our full schedules is empty souls. And here's why this is an issue. I believe our exhausting pace of life indicates a lack of confidence in the sovereignty and the provision of God. This is why Jesus said in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, I get it. Why all the pagans, all the people who don't follow God, I get it why all the pagans are always running. That's the word Jesus uses. Why they're always running. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm so afraid. What are we going to do? How are we going to manage it? I get it, Jesus says. I get it. I understand why they're always running. They're running because they don't know God. But you do, Jesus tells us. You do. You know that he takes care of the lilies in the field and takes care of the birds in the air. So Jesus says, so why do you run just as hard as the pagans do? You see, if God is not on the throne, and if God doesn't give a rip about us, listen to me, then you better get up early tomorrow morning and you better get after it because it all depends on you. But if we slow down and we remember that God is great and God is good, then maybe, maybe we could slow down. Listen to the psalm writer, Psalm 62. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. For truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Did you hear what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, my soul can find rest because God is good my salvation my honor depend on not on me on him the solution to an over busy life is not more time it's simply to slow down and simplify your life around what you really believe about god and for most of us that is going to mean the hard but necessary task of doing some pruning because soul care cannot be squeezed into an already rushed life. N.T. Wright, one of the, the absolute top theologians in our world right now, he says this, it is only when we slow down our lives that we can catch up to God. I told you this would be hard. It's not complicated, but it's hard. It's going to be hard to make courageous choices to slow down. 
know. What if? I'm just spitballing it. But what if you tried it for a month? Just one month. You just tried it for a month. What if for one month you fasted from going so fast? And let me know if your soul thanks you at the end of the month. But if you think that's hard, <laughs> buckle up. I got one more. We need to slow down the exhausting pace of our lives. Here's the second thing. If we're going to be still and know that he is God, here's the second thing we got to do. We have to turn down the noise that is wearing out our souls. Now, Jesus models this for us. Jesus took his own soul care very, very seriously. And one way that is obvious is by how important it was to Jesus to spend intentional time in silence and in solitude. Luke 5 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Silence. Solitude. Time with God. Time alone with God. These were important to Jesus. And by the way, if the Prince of Peace needed some peace and quiet you might also silence is important because silence creates space where we can be honest we can assess how is my soul doing but today it is nearly impossible to live and to not be around noise think back oh just a couple months ago now christmas time how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass you, but how many of you either gave or received a Christmas gift this past year that ensured you never had to be around silence? That there would always be some sort of noise around. So I have to do, as a pastor, I have to do something that for centuries pastors did not have to do for their churches. For centuries, pastors did not have to tell their churches that you need to find some quiet in your life. Because a big part of their life was quiet. <laughs> there was, just, there was nothing, nothing to make the noise. But today, we need to make space for. We need to intentionally find some silence, some quiet. So let me state very clearly what I think all the evidence is making very clear. Any successful pursuit of a healthy soul in our culture today, in 2023, any successful pursuit of a healthy soul in this culture is going to require an intentional and disciplined digital strategy our obsession with technology specifically our smartphones is the new socially acceptable addiction and I use the word addiction on purpose what is an addiction an addiction is a compulsive behavior in the short term that is undermining your well-being in the long term Think about it like this. There are only two industries that call their customers users. One is illegal drugs. The other is software. Okay. I'm going to get to meddling. I'm not an old man. You don't have to get off my lawn. But we're going to talk about this. There is a lot of research that has been done and a ton that is still being done on this issue because it is still so new. We're still figuring out the effects of modern technology on our lives. For instance, studies have found, say you're at a restaurant, 
Hypothetically, you're at a restaurant, you are with a close friend, you are having a really, really important conversation with a dear friend about something that matters. An important moment in their life, in your life, in both of your lives. You're having this deep conversation, and then you get a vibration in your pocket. They have studied the chemical reaction in our bodies in that moment. We get a dopamine hit, and it feels good. And it is almost impossible for us not to put the friend across the table on hold while we check that phone because that dopamine hit felt so good and we want another one. This is why, this blew my mind when I heard this. This is why we touch our phones one to two million times a year. Our short-term compulsive behavior is having a profound long-term impact on the health of our souls. Over and over, studies are again showing again and again that our obsession with screens has increased our levels of anxiety, our levels of depression, our obesity, our loss of sleep. And we're only, only beginning, this is what's frightening to me as a dad, we're only beginning to discover what it's doing to teenagers who have known no other world. They were born into it. The levels of anxiety experienced by teenagers today, high school students today, are the highest ever recorded. Some of you work in high schools, you know this is true. The levels of anxiety in high school students is higher today than it has ever been before. And that spike in teenage anxiety can be traced back to the year 2007. 2007? What the heck happened in 2007? Oh, that's when the first iPhone was released. The spike in the rise of young teenage girls um, struggling with body image issues. I mean, I, I know it's always been an issue, but the recent spike can be traced back to 2011. That's the year Instagram was launched. Have you seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma? You should. You might take a hammer to your phone after it, but you should. The people that create these technologies, they don't let their children use these technologies because they know what they're doing. They are the, the tobacco industry back in the 1950s. They know what they're selling is harmful, but they're not going to stop because it's so lucrative. And then there's what it's doing to our connectedness, to our relationships with each other. The lie is that, that through social media, I am more connected than ever. We're actually spending less time in actual presence with other people than ever before. Robert Putman said, we used to have friends, now we watch them. Or actually, we watch a curated version of their lives. And then what has the monetizing of hate and fear and anger done to our souls? Let me remind you, I've said this several months ago, we're talking about something similar, but we are not the client of these products. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, whatever. We are not the client of these products. We are the product. We are what's on sale or at least our attention is what's for sale. And they want us to stay on, and they know the way to keep us engaged the longest is to make us afraid or to make us angry. Isn't it interesting what it does to us? 
You know, here I am, I'm hardly an expert on anything, but I've got a smartphone and an app, so you need to know what I have to think about that. <laughs> and it's not always good. And the devil lies in the comment section. The irony is most of us agree that our phones and our social media platforms have turned into a problem, but we don't believe we can turn down the noise. Yes, we can. We own the screens. The screens don't own us. But we're going to have to make some hard choices. So what are you going to do to steward technology in a way that's good for your soul? I love Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. Speaking of business, Facebook would go out of business if we all did that. <laughs> Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. Now, please understand, the goal here, the goal of this conversation, the goal is not stillness. That's the means to the goal. Stillness is necessary to get to the goal. The goal is for you and for me to have a healthy soul. Why? Because your soul is where you commune with God. Your soul is where you connect with God. It, it, when we lose, when our lives be, become inundated with noise, and there's never a moment of silence, we lose the space and even the capacity, the ability, the opportunity to hear the voice of God. We lose the ability to connect with God. Charles Swindoll, the great author and preacher, of the last generation he tells a great story about a time in his life when his, his family was very young his children were still very young and he was kind of this up-and-coming kind of celebrity pastor and an author and preaching at this big church and he was just as you would expect just very 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 busy all the time constantly running from this to this lots of work lots of commitments lots of appointments lots of people he had to talk to and it affected he says it affected the way that he was acting around his family he was e easily angered. He was very, um, f always frustrated, always kind of curt with his kids, rushing through the family meals. He was always the first one to get up from the dinner table and move on to the next thing that was going on later that night. And one night, his youngest daughter came up to him and said, Daddy, Daddy, I want to tell you something that happened at school today, and I promise I will tell you fast. <laughs> he kind of chuckled and said, Oh, honey, you don't have to tell me fast. You can tell me slowly. And she looked at him and said, well, then, Daddy, will you listen slowly? Do you, do you want to connect with God? Then you're going to have to listen slowly. As you read through Scripture, you'll notice that nobody ever runs with God. Well, there's a lot of people that walk with God. But nobody runs with God. Because God will not squeeze into your schedule. What you give your attention to determines the health of your soul. So here's something that I know about, that you know about. Anybody you, you want to have a, a deep connection with, anybody that you love, anybody you want to connect with, you know this is true, that attention requires intention to give somebody your full attention your wife your kid your 
coworker, your friend, whoever, to give anybody your full attention, you have to want to do it. You have to mean to. And you have to plan to. So what can you do? Or maybe I should say, what can you stop doing to live each day more fully aware of God? To hear God say, be still and know that I am God. What if you took a fast from going so fast? I think, I think your soul would thank you. And I just bet your family and your neighbors would too. So here's what I want to do. At this point in the service, I, I usually close by praying over you. Well, this time I, I have written a prayer and I want you to play, pray it. I want, uh, I've asked our community team to go ahead and take their places, get ready to serve communion to us. I'm going to put this prayer up on the screen. And the prayer is simply this. Dear God, help me to live slowly and quietly enough to experience you fully and to love others deeply. Please still my soul. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer right now. Go ahead and just bow your heads, close your eyes. You, you don't have to use these words. I guess you don't have to close your eyes. You need to see the words. You, but you don't have to use these words specifically. But would you pray some version of this prayer? And if the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart, why don't you tell God right now, confess to God, tell God what it is that you're going to actually change so that this, so that this prayer can get answered. And so let's be quiet. Let's be still for just a moment so you can talk to God. You start the prayer, I'll finish. God, we confess we need some help. For some of us, spending just one minute without noise was really, really hard. But we want to be healthier. We want connection and communion with you to be normal, not rare. So give us the courage to do the things that we have to do to take care of our souls. We're going to take Jesus at his word. He said he would give us rest for our souls if we would let him teach us 
how to live. So teach us, Jesus. We are tired of being tired.